Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Faith Pell. Hey, this is Bella Perron. And this is Ashley Supa. We're the band Plush, and you're listening to Tom and Zeus on the Shout It Out Loudcast. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode 38. We are calling this one after I get a little satin sheet accent. I'm going to shake my tail for all the pretty crazy white girls out there. Trust me, would I lie to you? Tommy Zeus, how's it going? Oh boy, here we go. Zeus's was, pick, a return yeah. to White Snake. I was gonna say, to get in your pants. Oh. <laughs> Settle down, Quagmire yeah. Coverdale. I was saying that to Tom. I'm like, he's like the guy from Family, uh, the Family Guy. He's the horniest man this side of Sunny Pony. Let me get in your pants. <laughs> but one thing about Coverdale, though, is unlike Paul, that's become Renaissance man and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Coverdale has stuck to his shtick. He so owns I'm- it. He is Dude, he's guy. one of the he is one of the best Twitter followers. He's awesome. That's right. Yeah. He's very, awesome. very cheeky, baby. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. it, darling. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And he, he just plays that part to a T. Because I great. think it's him or he embodied that character and never let it go. Yeah. He's great. He's great. I heard a story about him one time and someone's like, I think he was when he was in Rainbow and like, oh, why don't you do write a song about lyrics about witches or something like that? And he's like, I don't know. I've never fucked a witch before. <laughs> He was in Rainbow? <laughs> no, no, when he oh, was in uh, Deep Purple. Deep Purple. Deep Purple. And uh, like Richie was, was like... It's all the Richie, same. <laughs> Richie is like, I don't know. I've never fucked a witch before. Like, he can't think of another song. Like, right, let's talk about fucking a woman over here or fucking her there. What else can I write about? And then Richie's like, I'm leaving. I can't fucking deal with you fucking... <laughs> you people are having too much fun. I need to go where I'm miserable. I need hey. to get back to fucking wizards and warlocks. Hey, you, little elf boy, angry elf boy. Are you playing with anybody? No. Let's create a band called the Rainbow. Oh. I know a little elf, and he's right over there, and he's very angry. <laughs> but if you think about it, 
the amount of fucking combination of bands between members between rainbow deep purple black sabbath and white snake you do that fuck yeah you do one of those family trees (laughs) it's it's insane everybody's been there with everybody Yep. yep oh man anyway last time we uh had Sonny's pick and we took the winery dogs, right? Their debut album. Mm-hmm. We did a poll. How'd that yep. go? Yep. So the poll was the uh, favorite song off the winery dogs debut from 2013. The options were elevate desire. I'm no angel. And you built a time machine. <laughs> you make a time machine. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put yeah. that clip in now. Do it because we had somebody complain about the, <laughs> the, the fact fuck? that we dropped it. Like, oh, don't ever do something with time machine. <laughs> you make a time machine. Uh, all right, so Elevate ran away with the poll here. Forty-seven percent. Uh, I'm no angel and time machine were close, about a about percentage point tied, and then uh, Desire came in dead last uh, with only about three percent. What is Couple wrong comments. with you people? I know it's a great tune. Couple comments. This is a great. <laughs> this comment made me laugh for multiple reasons. So this is nowhere fan on Twitter. I started listening to this episode today, and I enjoyed it enough that I switched to your moving pictures episode instead because I'm not a huge fan of Richie's vocals. But you're a huge fan of Getty Lee's vocals instead. <laughs> I mean, even I can't defend that. What the fuck? Um, regular. I will tell you. I've heard that. I've heard that from people like uh, Righty's wife, Corey, wonderful lady, yeah. cannot handle Richie's vocal. Not See, for I love seconds. it. I love it. Right. So there's something about a love hate of that raspy, smoky. But I'm, su- I'm surprised. But I how do like you that's hate way it? More, that's what I mean. I feel like it's way more accessible than a lot of rock Thank singers you. out there. Yeah, it's not like distinctive in a bad manner. It's distinctive because it's a fucking good voice. Yeah, you don't expect it from a guitar player. Huh. But I'm like, it's not like grading on you. It's not Axel's or Getty Lee's, something like, or Rod Stewart, where people would be like, that's fucking, I can't do that. You right, know? right, right. Weird, yeah. weird. Uh, we got Shale says, I'm no angel. I love the lyrics. Elevate is close. They don't have a bad song. They're that good. Um, Which, by the way, Zeus and I got tickets. We're going to see them in New Hampshire uh, at the end of February. So we're excited oh, nice. for that. Yep, Feel free ex- to come, to, uh, Sonny. We're excited. I'm going in March, so I'm good. Perfect. You, yeah. You know how many no, people have said this? I think more than any, maybe it's because they are touring. How many people have responded with, oh, I'm seeing them then? I'm seeing well, them it, then. It's funny that per- the, the timing was perfect for us to do the episode because they just announced the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was great. Yeah. They're playing not far from, from me in, in Southern New Hampshire. So we have tickets to the end of the month, uh, at the end of February for that. Uh, let's look at a couple other Twitter comments. What do we got here? Oh, our buddy Tony who uh, was very offended the way we treated Restrained in the previous episode, but would also like to give him a thanks for his intro music, and we love Tony. He comments, I finally started listening to this episode, and just a few minutes in, the absolute bludgeoning begins. (laughs) Screw you guys. But seriously, thank you for the plug. The new CD is called Restrained 2. It's our fourth album. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I couldn't remember. And as you can see in my picture, my uh, picture's a little crooked, but the CD's all the way over there, so I'm not going to go grab it deep enough. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got a pot, and then you got a plant underneath <laughs> it. Buck says, I'm going to see them March 22nd. Can't wait. I knew Sheehan was great, but I never knew how great Portnoy and Kotzen were. It's like mixing Van Halen, Soundgarden, and Rush together. Wow. Oh, I like wow. that mix. Okay. That I'll is take a it. pretty fucking interesting mix. Yeah. 
Our buddy Nige, listen to this, guys. Great episode, great album, great band. I saw them back in 2016. Top five gig of all time for me. So you should definitely try to see them. And I agree with Sonny. Their second album is even better. Whoa. Aggie Dad and Tiger Grad says, great podcast. Love the Winery Dogs and Cots and picked up the, the deluxe edition a little bit ago. And there's an unreleased track called Criminal. Not sure why it isn't on the original release. I hate when they do that. Put everything on the fucking release. Yeah. You know what I mean? all, it's on the, they, they released a uh, live in Santiago. Okay. And it's on that. Okay. Wally Vidal, our buddy. I'm listening now. I'm a fan of Poison's native tongue, Smith Cotson and the song Dream of a New Day. I'll give this a listen. Probably go through Richie Cotson's solo discog- discography. The Smith Cotson album is actually, that's not bad. I, I actually kind of like that because ever since I kind of fell under the spell of Sonny Pooney's cots and magic uh magic what did you say you fell in the spell of sunny's cock magic yes cots and magic his cock magic's good too though uh their new album comes out february 3rd and i'm a little pissed off right now that there is no uh vinyl release but that's okay hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Uh, our buddy Jepson, oh, here's a no. band. Here's a band I never got around to listening to, but they always play close to me. I love it. I just bought the CD and a ticket to see them in Green Bay. I am mad for not checking them out earlier. Hey, um, how is he allowed to talk? Isn't he like banned on social media? Nope, he's back. He's he's never been banned on Twitter. He was banned on Facebook. Now he's back, <laughs> and he spelled his name as if it's like something from like Borat's country. It has like I all these that. little. All yeah. these little asterisks, like little Serbian accents. On yeah, it. like his his name now is like Kevon, like Jepsoon or something. <laughs> Why was he banned to begin with? <laughs> well, let, let, let's let let's oh. we'll save that. Maybe we'll save that if, for a bonus episode. Dude, he is David Coverdale's Quagmire son. Oh, if anything. okay, okay, <laughs> that's probably why. Anyways, that's what we got for Twitter. Uh, Zeus, book of face. What do we got? Um, uh, sure, John Clifford. Yes. I'm a bassist and I love Billy Sheehan and he's a huge influence for me. 
Virtuosity and Straight Ahead Rock perfectly balanced. I've seen them every time they come to New Hampshire, Tom, and have tickets for February show. Thanks for this, guys. Made my week. That's right. We talked to John after that. He's we're all going to be at that same show, so we're going to try to hook up nice. Patreon Patreon member John Clifford. So that'll be cool. Nice, nice. Yep, he'll be there. Shane Loudon. When I found out you were covering this gem, I was excited. I felt a little pain once I realized it was Pooney's pick. But then when he's picked my favorite three songs as his three worst, I was back to feeling good about myself. I love that Tom and Zeus are all about the album. I've been preaching this band to anyone who will listen since they debuted. Welcome to the club, gents. On a side night, go see them live. Even my wife loves them live, but I think it's because she wants Richie to play her fretboard. <laughs> way, you won't regret seeing them live. Nah, I, it's amazing how many people like you have to see these guys live. So I'm, 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 I'm super excited. Sonny's buddy, Michael Murphy. Great pick by Sonny in another great episode. However, this still doesn't make up for the bad English pick. <laughs> Um, Keith Rochford This is one of my Desert Island albums Absolutely one of my faves Killer pick, Sonny So cool to hear everyone's thoughts on the tracks And hope more people get into this album And the band That's why we have this show, my friend Yep Over on our group Loudcasters page uh, The Taxman Anthony Barone says Take another one off my potential list This makes my next pick a little easier. Nice. You know he's going with Tool next, uh, Sonny, right? Oh, I saw the list of uh, oh, potential that ARC picks. That was an ugly list. Come on, you want to do Fear Inoculum? What, oh, what, my what, God. When the opening track is 11 minutes long, you know you're in for a good ride. What's scary is that album wasn't the worst album on that list. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. Believe me. We love our Patreon members. Some of those albums, I think you guys are fucking with us. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Our buddy Joe Decker. Wow. Just wow. How has this been off my radar? I've heard of the winery dogs, but wasn't really interested. I've been listening to Sheen for years, and I'm a low-key dream theater fan. So I know Portnoy. But all I knew about Richie is he grew up about an hour south of where I grew up, and he was kicked out of poison for banging for banging Ricky Rocket's wife. I like him even more now. Yeah, dude, that was a guy. Um, <laughs> I assume Winery Dogs would be like Dream Theater 2.0. Boy, was I wrong. This is fantastic. I love I'm No Angel. Incredible song. Great timing. Because they're playing in my area next month. I'll definitely be there. Great job, Sonny Pony. Wow. All praise, Sonny. Yeah, there's a lot of that. That, that. that All this means is his next pick will be like bad English live in Bangladesh or something. Sonny's getting a lot of praise, but I got to jump on this one too, buddy. Uh, Matt Wallace. Oh. Quickest way to get totally smashed. Take a shot of lemon cello. Every time you hear Sonny. Bukaki Puni say the words earworms and do a whip hit every time he says soup to nuts. Those words sound disgusting coming out of his filthy mouth. 
We also have a couple of listeners, and we may get to that. I, I, every once in a while, the comments show up. There's a couple of listeners that are very disturbed by Sonny's use of the term bang zone. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Lord. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that one. <laughs> On Instagram, Main Metal Lucas. Great episode, guys. The actor you were thinking of is Adam Goldberg, who played Mellish in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he does look like him. Over on our YouTube page, uh, a new user named Stargazer put about 15,000 separate one-line comments. I'm wondering if it's Mike H, because this says Stargazer H. Nice. So it might be him. Could be. And then uh, Charles Liverlips Bronson, (laughs) the winery dogs, really? Wow. Slow news day in Hellsville. I don't even understand what that means. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to be funny, mocking or what. It just it didn't I, land well. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm all for a good joke. Just sometimes help or me out. Good I'm, I'm not getting or it. something. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't get it. Yeah. I'm putting it out there so maybe he'll learn and he'll step up. Yeah, we like to educate on this show. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're smart intellectual people here. Yeah. We want yeah. we want our listeners and commenters to like get their game up, you know? Right? Do we though? Never g- before g- seen g- this Go much ahead. scum in villainry. G- 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. On that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Over to you guys. Uh, yeah, all right. We got a couple emails. I'll read mine first. Then Sonny's got one. This one comes from Mark Damore. T and Z. First things first. I've been with you guys since pretty close to the, to the beginning. Can't remember exactly when I first discovered your podcast, but whenever it was, I know I went back and caught up on all of it. And since that time, I can say without hesitation, I have never looked forward to listening to a new episode quite as much as I did for the Winery Dogs ARC episode. I've been with this band since day one, not because I was a huge Richie Kotzen fan like Sonny, quite the opposite, actually, as I only know the name, not the talent, but because I followed their early days on Eddie Trunk's show and just decided to give them a shot. So glad I did. Sure, it's been rough as a fan to only have two studio albums and a small handful of tours to keep us happy in the last 10 years. But the fact that they're all devoting so much of 2023 to this band gives me some hope that it could be the start of an increase in their activity. Still need to sort out where I'm going to road trip to see them next month. But between that and the new album, can't wait. Back to the episode. I told you I couldn't wait and I wasn't disappointed. An episode like this normally would have taken me at least two days, but I blew through the entire thing last night and loved every minute of it. Yeah, so many people keep saying this. Yeah, it sucks. It was Sonny who made this pick, but I'm willing to <laughs> overlook that. <laughs> Given how much I love this band. The icing on the cake was how much you guys seem to enjoy the album, too. Great stuff. Who knows? Maybe my 2023 Winery Dogs roadie will take me to your neck of the woods. Cheers, Mark Damore. That's a great email, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, well, we'll be in Derry, New Hampshire at the end of February. So uh, coming up to the Great White North, we'll probably about 40 feet of snow by the time you get up here. So thanks, buddy. Uh, Sonny's going to finish off. He's got an email too. All right. We got an email from uh, Craig Moran. Yes. I've been a Mike Portnoy tard for about <laughs> 30 years. Wow. I've liked slash loved all of his band's projects. He did except for adrenaline mob. I actually like adrenaline mob. <laughs> I was on board with the winery dogs. The second I heard it because he was doing a band, a uh, band with Billy Sheehan. I'd known Richie Kotzen, but before this album, I'd only heard the song from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack, which that song is honestly not that great. I absolutely love this album. 
it was awesome to hear Zeus singing the praises of something he hadn't heard before, and the addiction lyrics he mentioned a few times could very well be something coming from Mike, who's also a recovering alcoholic and isn't afraid to write about it. They are the perfect power trio who totally pulls it off live. It's such a shame that they, and Richie specifically, don't get the press they deserve. If you want to hear an amazing Richie solo song, check out You Can't Save Me from Into the Black, which I agree is a great song. The one thing that totally got me shaking my head throughout was Sonny's criticisms. Having heard his opinions for 36 albums, they shouldn't surprise me, but they did. The jams at the end of the handful of songs are totally necessary. I've heard those songs meander for way too long, but none of the songs on this album do. I'm going to see them again in a little over a month, about 20 minutes from my house, and I can't wait. And Craig, you're right. The musical pieces at the end of the songs, are they necessary for the songs? In my opinion, they're not, but they're fine. There's two things. One, when you're bringing in new fans, it's a little bit of showing off and you can lose them. Second is, I'm more of a melody guy. I was never, I tried to be a musician. I was well below average. So I just never appreciated the orchestration of a song as much as I appreciate the melody. Mm -hmm. So when I get quick three or four melodic songs that have a great vocal melody, dude, that's absolutely my bang zone. Soup to nuts. It doesn't need to be with all that shit. And all I need is the earworms. That's it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> nice. No, I, I get it. But yeah, different different people like those. Like we talked about. I mean, I, I love those kind of long meandering outros. And sometimes they fit. Sometimes they don't. But to each his own. Yeah. So uh, that wraps up the winery dogs. And uh, we turn around this time. It's my pick. And for the second time, I have taken a duplicate. So this is the second time we've picked White Snake. I believe that was Tom's pick originally. We did slide it in way back in the beginning. It was our second episode. Yeah. Yep. And uh, now we're going to come and get it. So why did I pick this? I I think there are two different bands. One is Whitesnake. And slide it in is a little bit of the combination of the older and the newer. And then you got 87 and then you have slip of the tongue and forward. And then there's this whole other band that everyone in the U.S. never knew about, the older White Snake, the blues White Snake, uh, the band that uh, produced about five, six albums, and no one knew about them because none of the members were in the band when they got discovered in the U.S. So of all those albums, I believe this one is my favorite. And uh, I have this as an album that I've been kind of waiting to pick for quite some time because it's a little different. If you like old school British blues based rock, David Coverdale and Whitesnake are it. And if you don't know about older Whitesnake, you're really missing out in my opinion. So this whole guitar duo that Whitesnake has always had that since they were big in 87 and on, and you start off with Vandenberg and Campbell and then Vi adds in. You get members like Doug Aldrich, Red Beach. Uh, who else am I missing, Sonny? There's, I'm sure I'm missing a couple others. But, you know, they've always had this duo guitar attack. But the original one, oh, and you could also technically say Mel Galley and John Sykes. But the original one was this one of Bernie Marsden and Mick Moody. And the old band white snake is nothing like the newer band that became pop in the U S it's got 
people that are made for not to be in videos. It's got blues based rock. Coverdale is still Coverdale. But if you like Deep Purple, Rainbow, Bad Company, bands like that, you like this. And I've always had a, an affinity for this album when I had all the originals. And I, now, mind you, I'm the, I wasn't an expert. I got into this in the in in middle school because when White Snake came out '87, that album, I did what I normally did. I went back and bought everything I could find of them. So I went back, and all those other cassettes were out there. So I started buying this Trouble, uh, Satan Sinners, uh, Love Hunter, all of them. And of all the older blues style White Snake albums, I went to this one the most. Uh, I have had a, uh, such a strong uh, appreciation for this album that I, I wanted to introduce it to people that don't know anything about older White Snake. And I hope that you guys will give this a chance, listen to it, and then actually start going down that rabbit hole and be like, holy shit. You know, old Coverdale stuff is amazing. I I I think that White Snake's uh, "Come and Get It" is a great album to jump into for uh, earlier White Snake and to get to know. And uh, yeah, like I said, '87, I went back, bought all these old albums, and uh, of all of them, "Come and Get It" stood out for me. So that's how I got into the album. So as we've talked on the Slide It In episode, uh, MTV is what introduces me to White Snake. Slide It In was part of my first record purchase, so I've been a fan since '84. These older releases, anything basically Satan Sinners and older, they were harder to find. They were more expensive. I'm a teenager; I don't got money for that. Y&T was the same way, and anytime I did have money, it went to Y&T type of Japanese albums and that kind of thing because it was, they were the home band. So I probably didn't get these albums till 90-ish, 91 maybe, because by that time I'm a manager at Target, so I'm making a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, first thing, you know, stupid kid, because I'm still a stupid kid. I got, became a manager at 19. So I'm out there spending money on CDs and stuff instead of trying to figure out, like, how to buy a house or whatever. Um, I own everything. White Snake is done. All the live shit, which there is 10 times the live shit as there is studio albums. I've got all the solo Coverdale stuff, all the solo Psych stuff. Um, and White Snake's one of my top 20 bands of all time. I don't love all of it, but I like obviously enough of it for them to be a top 20 band. And I'm sure we'll get into that at some point today. But uh, White Snake's been a part of my life ever since I was in music. Yeah, so for me for White Snake, I'm I'm a little bit different here. So I I came into White Snake like many like many people, MTV, you know, the '87 self-titled album, and I thought I thought it was a, I mean that album came out I was 14 at the time. I thought they were a new band. I'm like these guys kick ass. I love them. Um, and then I've mentioned many times through the ARC episodes, I have a sister that's four years old that would really introduce him to a lot of like rock, metal, pop, whatever. We all kind of share that, and she had the cassette for slide it in. And I was like, wait, that's the same that this is that white snake. And I remember hearing slide. It, I'm like this album, like I fucking love slide it, in, which is why it was the second pick ever for ARC. Cause I absolutely love the album. I thought all these years slide it in was their debut album. Uh, I will tell you right now before Zeus picked this, I never heard this album in my life. 
Never had it, never owned it. I knew it existed. I knew about Love Hunter and Saint and Sinner and all that stuff. But I also knew that these albums came from like that deep purple type of family tree. And I am not a deep purple guy at, at all. I, I, I like British blues stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, Zeppelin's one of my all-time favorite bands. But I just, I, I just never really gave it a shot. And like Sonny said at the time before streaming, when you're young, you kind of have to be judicious with your money, what you're going to buy. And at the time, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to buy these old White Snake albums. But now, with streaming with Apple Music, Sonny raising his hand, he has a question. What does judicious uh, mean? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I was going to say, we dumb, we dumb it down for Shout It Out Loudcast, but I'm, I'm thinking maybe the ARC episodes, we can do um, polysyllabic words. Do, 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 I, do I have to explain what polysyllabic means too? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Sonny's like Tom Hanks and, and big. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so, but th- again, this is why this is two episodes in a row. I, I knew the winery dogs existed. Never listened to them. I knew this album, never listened to it. So this is two great episodes in a row for me personally, over the years, I will say, I have really, really come to love White Snake, and I think as time has passed, I think time has been very, in my opinion, for me, I think time has been very, very kind, rightfully so, to a band like White Snake, that they have kind of pulled away from that hair metal label that they had because the music is that good. The, the songs are that good. The musicianship is that good. And to me, Coverdale is Mount Rushmore frontman vocalist for me absolutely so i'm thrilled that zeus picked this and this is this will kind of be opening the door for me to get back into you know some of those other ones like you said saint and sinner love hunter um i have heard some of that cool uh live album uh, live in the heart of the city or whatever it's called um yep so anyways yeah this this will be good i mean we all love white snake we all love coverdale so this should be a fun one let's talk about this cover okay typical white snake fashion Okay, it's a nice cover, like pretty cool. You got a snake inside of an apple, but of course you got to coverdale it up. And inside the snake's mouth, there's like a little slit. <laughs> and what is that slit supposed to be? You can say I don't it. know. Can you tell me? It rhymes with slit. <laughs> Mulva? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. you! The U.S. version, I believe, took that out. They did, but this yeah. version, I have, you know, the CD. I think they fixed it up a little bit later on. U.S. is so prissy, like ooh. so. So, speaking of Zeus, Zeus bought me the clear vinyl with metallic blue and green swirl because we all know colored yeah. vinyl sounds better. Yeah. Um. So you could see right there that the U.S. doesn't have it. Nope. The mouth is just a red. It's just a red. A red yeah. snake mouth. Here's- one of the original CDs. Yep. You guys both have it. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so what's cool about this is if you look at the back, the glass is broken and the snake is gone. I think the back cover, very rarely do we talk about the back cover of an album. This is one of those rare albums where I think it's amazing how the album cover like has like a, 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 a front and back, a start and an end. I think it's awesome seeing the broken glass apple with the snake on. Yeah. White snake. Now, if you think about it, you go look at love hunter, you look at slide it in. 
they sexualized the snake in some sense in the photo. This one was uh, done by a guy named Malcolm Horton. And as we talked about, the snakes in the in the glass apple, the, the back, the snake breaks the glass apple. And temptation and seduction is too strong. So the snake escapes. All right, relax. <laughs> relax. So very, very Adam and Eve. But uh, I got a, I got a couple of other things. First, go one, ahead. Go ahead. The man is so smart that he got everybody on this planet to keep saying a band's name that is named after his dick. Imagine. It's true. Okay. Yep. It's true. So number one, white snake in just general, right? Yep. Yep. Second. Okay. So you got the, the pussy that's in it, in the tongue. <laughs> you, you don't think the <laughs> sperm, the sperm isn't a problem. Those are sperm. Where? You don't see the little water drops, the ones that look like water drops? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I got you. To me, that's sperm. You don't think Could it's be. just the uh, the natural moisture off of an apple when you pick <laughs> it fresh on the vine? You say moist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this album cover is absolutely awesome. It's a, And you know what we don't talk about in Sunny? You brought... I love how kind of kind of like Kiss or Metallica, how the name itself is a logo. Yeah. Like White Snake, you have a snake in the du- and it's all one big But I love in. that old white that's the yes. white snake yeah, logo the they had for the years. Right, it's the old one. I yeah. love it. And can we talk about that for a quick second? I know we're talking about come again. Why did they abandon all of this for their biggest album ever, White Snake '87? The cover Change, is the cover's Change terrible. America. No, I, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. So, uh, so annoying. Because uh, Europe has always been a little more freer with this expression of sexuality. Yeah, than yeah. U.S. has. That's no, no, no I agree. Is. I agree. No, you're right. Right. You're right. So, okay. Um, one other thing too, uh, just. I'm, I'm assuming you guys it's it's on yours too i mean i have the vinyl on the back they have like these little dramatic silhouetted headshots of the six band members <laughs> but the thing that really stood out for me that i honestly don't think i've ever seen this before in my entire life each song it it describes who did the solo on each song i've never yeah. seen album notes do that and not only that, but have it be on on the back, not in the liner notes, but on the actual back cover. Like, come and get it. Solo, Bernie Marsden. Hot stuff. Solo, John Lord. Like, I've never seen yeah. that before. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and the CD, they're more like live shots. Of okay. Yeah, the vinyl has nothing inside. Right. It just has the colored vinyl. With and, the, of course, with the... Ian's got that fucking buckethead shit on. He has that serpical hat on, which is fucking annoying. I think he looks cool. Oh, my <laughs> God. You would. It's Mick, 1981. Mick Moody and his fucking Rick Keogh lookalike fucking mustache. Like, you could tell any of these fucking guys that at some point covered well, was like, this is why we can't fucking break in the U.S. Well, Look I know these I, people. I mean, you were just shitting on Ian Pace's hat. I don't know if you guys have the same image. Look at Mick Moody's hat. Yeah, I know. His is not much better. He's got like the urban sombrero on it. <laughs> yeah. fucking I, thing. Know. It's like, <laughs> I, I know. It's just, oh. Oh, it's an it's an yeah, it's an it's an awesome cover. It's an Bernie awesome. Bernie with the t-shirts. It's not a good look. <laughs> wait a minute, wait, whoa. The ill-fitting t-shirt. Yeah, I don't understand why people do that. He's just he's like kind of he's built like a fire hydrant. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so he's like, I need to get big in the U.S. I can have sloppy Bernie Marsden here, who's a fucking incredible guitarist, or yeah. like the guy chiseled out of a fucking Greek god, Adrian Vandenberg. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, Jesus, what what do you think's gonna break U.S. better? You want a good yeah. laugh? Go on, go on. Um, Bernie Marsden's Wikipedia page and look oh, at the profile Lord. picture that they put for his Wikipedia page. The he's poor got, fucking guy. <laughs> he looks a little bit like the Elephant Man. Like oh. it's like his neck. He's, he's got a. He's holding on to a tumor because his oh. chin connects all the way down to the middle of his chest. If you look at oh my god, this picture. I told you. Oh look, I told god. you. Look at that. I told you. The, the, the poor guy is like a legendary rock guitarist. He looks like someone's grandma. And he's, he's wearing a look shirt there too. That doesn't fit. He's wearing it like podcaster style shirt. Like, oh my god. This is, I told you that's all. He's probably like, really? This is what you put for my Wikipedia? <laughs> my favorite page? part is going to be when we tag him in this episode. Oh, they gave a glowing review of this album. What are they saying about me? <laughs> uh, Bernie, they're making fun of your uh, Wikipedia page. <laughs> Poor Bernie. Brilliant guitarist, but he needs like a publicist to be like, dude, dude, on. these British guys back. I mean, God bless David Coverdale. For, I mean, the guy started as a stud. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, just yeah. but he was like literally crafted out of a lab as the ultimate frontman right away. You know, oh, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah, yeah. So the album was actually released April 6, 1981, produced by third time ARC showing Martin Birch. Yeah, we don't have an ARC Hall of Fame. Maybe we'll maybe we'll stop one Martin of those and Birch, put Martin Birch in third. There. He did. Um, Obviously, slide it in, and I believe yep. he was part of Peace of Mind, right? Yep. So this is the lineup now that was been there since 1980s, Ready and Willing, which they added Ian Pace. So prior to that, they started off the, uh, with Snakebite, Love Hunter, and then they went to Ready and Willing, which now this uh, lineup is part of. And then they went to the live album, which just came out. They went to uh, Come and Get It. And then they go to Saint and Sinners, and then that's when everything changes again. But this lineup now boasts three Deep Purple guys. And part of the history you always hear about Whitesnake is when when Coverdale adds Ian Pace and you have John Lord in there, now they, they get a little bit preferential treatment and, and payment by Whitesnake. Mm-hmm. And it kind of affects the other three, which are the two guitarists and Neil Murray. The album ended up going to number two in the UK. It went to number 151 on the US billboards. It was kept off by number one by Adam and the Ants, Kings of the Wild Frontier. I owned that on vinyl, cassette, and CD. It's a fucking awesome album. All you Adam and the Ants fans out there, join together and sing praises for one of the best 80s new wave bands. Those guys were awesome on MTV. There are no Adam and Ants fans out. Oh there. yeah, I guarantee. I, I want <laughs> somebody. None. I want somebody listen to this no. episode right now to tell me that they like Adam and the Ants no. and Kings of the Wild Frontier is a killer album. No, absolutely yes. But anyways, Coverdale actually calls this one the highlight of the early White Snake career. It was uh, recorded at John Lennon's old place that Ringo had bought and called it uh, Startling Studios. Uh, they talk about, oh, my God, they feel they fucking recorded Imagine over here and it's John's house. But then Ringo 
ended up taking it over and then let people record there. So it's a good thing Whitesnake went there and finally some good music was recorded at that, at that <laughs> facility. That's good. Yeah, Beatle attacks. Um, the album, you know, is titled Come and Get It. Is that a double entendre by? Of course it is. He ain't put. Um, he, and get it. Yeah, let's be serious. Everything. I mean, slide <laughs> it in. Come and get it. And even if it's not. It is. He is who he is. So we all go there. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he embraces that shit. He fucking loves it. Unfortunately, they still can't break in the U.S. I think their previous album had gone top five. And um, the live album that is. And I think the one before that went to number six. Now they're at number two. So they're pretty popular in uh, the U.K. And the album did go gold in the U.K. I wonder what if it got anything here in the U.S. But uh, that's the facts that I have on this one so far. Yeah, I would say that Coverdale, um, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll do the tracks and final thoughts. But, I mean, Coverdale is, to me, carrying this album on his back. And what I mean by that is the musicians are incredible. We've talked about Ian Pace and, and Bernie Marsden and John Lowe, the incredible legendary musicians. But these kinds of songs here, you need that swagger. You can't have some of these other guys, maybe from Deep Purple or Rainbow, try to do these songs. You could have, but you need them. You need these to be sold. And Coverdale sells every single song with the groove and the swagger. And I think I'm I'm shocked to, that this album didn't really do that well in the U.S. I know 1981 was a weird time for rock and metal, and this is really really heavy. In the British blues, especially the, the the organs and the keyboards from John Lord are super prominent. And I don't know, U.S. wasn't really kind of into that. But um, yeah, this album should really be kind of reassessed, I think, in the context of the Whitesnake catalog. I think so many people just think Whitesnake hairband Tawny Katane videos that they don't give the they don't give this band like a, a, a chance. And that's that that's a shame because Whitesnake's amazing. That's my two cents. All right. Let's get into the first track, the title track. and get it so kind of piggybacking off what tom was saying coverdale's the horniest guy on the planet and that is just who he is but goddamn can he sell it and right out of the gate he sounds great 
in this song, sexy, soulful as hell, just his vocal stylings and his tone just kind of oozes this sultry. And that's what's been the David Coverdale formula is because of that vocal tone and the way that he can hit it. It just sounds perfect with this kind of soulful blues music that kind of turns it into magic. I have always loved the Coverdale quirks, the whole mm-hmm, wow, wow, no, right? Like I, I've always loved those and they've always existed. So that's, uh, that's always done it for me. Great groove. The problem with this song to me though, is the guitar solo fits. Yeah, it's fine. The chorus just doesn't have any punch. I wish the chorus had some kind of just oomph. Now, David puts a little punch in it after the solo, but that's too late. Like it should have built through the choruses to the solo. And that's the problem with some of this blues bar music is that it just sounds like this one even track that goes all the way through. And sometimes when that punch isn't there, man, it all starts sounding the same after a while. And I'm not saying all these songs start to sound the same, but when the punch isn't there, I kind of lose interest. So this song is okay to me, but it's not the best opener on the planet. Sonny, amazing. You got inside my head because that is exactly what I was going to say. Kind of a blanket statement, especially this song right here. It doesn't have that second gear that the songs on slide it in have or the 87 uh, self-titled. They, it's a great song. First of all, it starts right off. It reminds me of a combination of Honky Tonk Woman by the Stones, All Right Now by Free, Harder Than Hell by Kiss, That w- where the drums are just grooving with nothing else happening in the background. The drums are just breathing, kind of that bluesy groove. Coverdale, like you said, incredible. Just just oozes the, the swagger. It's incredible. The solo is amazing. The band is on fire at, 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 as the song kind of rolls out. I want somebody to turn up the guitars a little bit or add a little bit of something to kick it in the ass. Cause the song is great, but it's almost like it never really wakes itself up as it continues. And, and I think maybe that, maybe that's why this, the album didn't really go crazy in the U S because the U S maybe wanted that British British were kind of used to this with the, with the deep purple kind of rainbow stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably my, my overarching kind of issue with the album is that there's not enough of that second gear that kind of, you know, big crunchy kind of something that kind of lifts you, lifts you up a little bit. But other than that, it's, it's a, it's a great Coverdale carries it. It's a, it's a very cool tune. Uh, come, come and get it. The title track, uh, attributed to David Coverdale, the guitar solo, which is mentioned in, in the liner notes is Bernie Marsden. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got that free. All right now, bad company. It sounds almost a little like since you've been gone by Rainbow, but slowed Slo- down. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good call too. Yeah, it, it unfortunately, I, I will say, with the exception of maybe crying in the rain. If you listen to all White Snake albums, they do this all the time. Their opening track is never like, "Holy shit, this is what we're starting with." Yep. It's always like this. I mean, I feel like this is almost like a poor man slide it in which is not one of my favorite songs on slide it in. Okay. I, with that beat and those riffs. Yep. You should be like, Oh fuck. This song rocks. 
But it doesn't. It does exactly. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go anywhere. And you got the. You know. You're thinking when he does that. That soulful. Mm, those Coverdale things. You're like, okay, I'm I'm getting ready for something because it's got that stop riff drums. You think it was like uh, Highway to he- Hell. Exactly. Like, something's gonna kick your fucking head in. But this is little like uh, okay. It's got a lot of typical Coverdaleisms. I got something for you. Of course you do. I've got something for you. Dude, is there fucking any way possible that you can't like just simply be like, hey baby, who you want to fuck today? <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? And then you got the other little cover dealisms. I love I actually love them where he like speaks in songs. So oh, at I the 113 it. mark, what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. He does that all the time, too. The solo is pretty cool. I actually like the bass line that Neil Murray's doing. He's so underrated. I fucking love him. I love his bass work. Anyways, not the best way to start an album. I don't like it's a good song, but I almost like like expected more, especially from the way you first hear that first crunch. Yep. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the album goes. Next track. I'm ready for you. Are you ready for me? I got a burning heart. Won't let me be. I feel the hunger. My spirit yearns. I got to feed the fever of a love that burns. So hot stuff. Now, one of the things that Coverdale ends up doing in Whitesnake in these first four or five albums, he takes the jam bandy part out of it, right? Because Purple was very jam band. And I think, you know, we're saying that Whitesnake didn't really break in the U.S. Purple wasn't exactly lighting it up in the U.S. either, right? So this isn't something new. There was already somewhat of an issue. Yeah, I, I disagree with you on that, but it's also, also it's not Richie Blackmore and his ego that can go off like these two. The song is more important than the, the instrument. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hot stuff. I like the pace. I like the dual vocal and the verse in a couple of places. I like that David went to the next level at the start of the second vo- verse with the vocal, and then he kind of backed off. Love that whole rip it out thing before the Hammond solo. Basically one of the heavier songs on the track. I would have probably opened with this song. And, you know, of course you get the patented and can't get enough, can't get enough. You know, that's, that's what David does. The parts that I don't like about the song, a Hammond solo. Dude, if you're going to get away from the purple, get away from the purple. Like, supposedly you got two great guitar players. Okay, one's wearing a weird hat. The other guy can't find a shirt that fits. But that's beside the point, right? Like, let them be who they want to be because this should have had that ripping solo. And the other thing that's missing in this song, which you get in later, Whitesnake, is the backing vocals. Dude, this might as well be Die With Your Own Boots On, If You Want to Die, If You Want to Die. Like, it might as well, maybe it's Martin Birch's fault. I don't even know. 
right? But the backing vocals on this is a little rough, hot stuff, hot stuff. <laughs> Just stay in there and say hot stuff. <laughs> Pretty bad. Um, but I like this song better than the last, and I think we should open the album. Uh, you know, that's not correct. This should not have opened the album. Uh, this song reminds me of the original version of Eric Clapton's After Midnight. Uh, just like a knee slapping bluesy, like fast pace, like, like just, I'm like what Ian Pace does with the drums, a little bit of rip it out there. Kind of those fills are amazing. I, I like the solo only because it's like unusual. Like you don't hear an organ solo and John Lord is like one of the absolute goats when it comes to frigging keyboards. This won't be the first time I say this. There's a lot of Zeppelin in this album. A lot of physical graffiti era Zeppelin on this album. I get that a lot here, both not really necessarily the pace or the tempo of the song, but what the band is doing, what David Coverdale is doing. It's not a bad song. It's just, it's a little too fast for me. It, it seems a little, I I, I kind of, I like the, the groovy swagger of come and get it over this. Um, but th- there is some, definitely some cool stuff here. Hot Stuff, written by David Coverdale and Mick Moody, a.k.a. Rick Teo. There has the bleeding in this, a la Celebration Day. Do you notice that in the beginning yep. of this? Yep. Mm, like, it bleeds into it. Uh, the fast up-tempo, I'm like, I I totally could see 87 White Snakes, uh, that lineup, doing this song now. Like, more modern and more hard rock instead of blues rock. Uh, and... <laughs> Just more Coverdale lyrics and stuff. Dude, are you guys aware that he walks the streets at midnight looking for a little hot stuff? (laughs) I love it. I mean, how can you not love that lyric? But you believe when you hear him sing it, like, I believe that that's what he's doing right now. He's walking the streets looking for hot stuff. No, no. Her. She's a little hot stuff. Hey, hot stuff. Come over here. Dude, who says hot stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the nice little mini rip it out type drum solo there. And I like John Lord. I love that they do a a Hammond organ solo on this. You know why? Because he doesn't do it all the time. It's very rare that you get these. It's not early fucking Deep Purple shit where you're like, when's Richie going to do? Oh, here comes the solo. But it's after a two minute fucking organ solo. This is rare, and to hear it once in a while and see why people think John Lord is uh, the fucking goat of the organ, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's okay. Uh, yep. Typical Coverdale. I mean, I should have said this from the beginning. His vocals are fantastic. Tom's already started talking about his praise about being a front man. It, it, it's undeniable. Yep. I, I mean, I, I think about the era, and I, uh, for me, I can't see anybody that tops in both lyrically visually performance wise and vocally yep you know i think he's the quintessential front man and he's got such charisma and it comes off and he's got his own style he does uh, i know a lot of people think it's a it's a plants ripoff it's not it's if not. you know enough of his material you know he's not ripping off uh robert plant so i don't know i i i like it but at the I like at the 247 mark, the tempo changes. I just can't get enough. Hot stuff. I just can't get. I like that stuff. And yeah, I, I wouldn't say that the backing vocals on this is that good. 
Bernie Marsden's a fucking good backing vocals. You'll hear it more so on other tracks. They just, you know, I would put this on the producer because he has the talent there. If you heard early White Snake, they can do great backing vocals, gang vocals, and all that. So I would probably put that on the producer. But I'm like with Sonny, I, I probably would say Hot Stuff 2 would be a better opener than Come and Get It. And, you know, I always have to say something that uh, is going to make people mad, so I might as well say it here. So I had not heard any Zeppelin when I started listening to Whitesnake. It was in the magazines when people started saying that Coverdale sounds like Robert Plant. He's ripping stuff off Robert Plant. And that's what made me want to go check out Zeppelin. And I remember when I first heard it, when I first heard Zeppelin stuff, I'm like, Okay, I can understand the comparisons, but that dude ain't no David Coverdale. Sorry, I, I can, no. I, honestly, I, I I hear what you, I, I hear what you're saying. They're similar but very different. I don't want either of them doing each other's songs. No way. I, I like who they, they who, yeah, yeah, I think they're both better with who they are with. I find I find Coverdale. I enjoy him more. He's funner. He's smoother. Yeah, and he's, just, and he's talking play. about he's not talking about lizards and shit. How? But I couldn't say I want Coverdale in singing Zeppelin songs. I don't. Two different styles. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next track. break my heart again so when i first got this cd and i put it in i'm like oh wait a second i actually know this song and i had forgotten that i had most likely heard this on mtv but didn't realize it was kind of the same white snake love the feel of this song love the groove love the lyrics absolutely coverdale's bang zone this is what white snake is about to become Six, seven years later, this this is why the 80s worked for David, because these kind of songs kind of set the stage. Love the pre-chorus with the lyric and then the little earworm guitar answer, right? Love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best chorus so far out of the three songs. The Hammond's loud, but it works. Simple guitar solo, but it fits. You know, I've heard Sykes do it. I've heard Vivian do it. I've heard 
Hoekstra do it. It works when it's ripping too. That's okay. Both, all of it works, right? Um, you'd never hear this song in uh, Deep Purple. And it's just interesting though, like if you didn't know it, like this is about David's first marriage, yep. right? The guy has been heartbroken. Every guy's been heartbroken, right? But homie's got a pussy on the cover with sperm. He just told some girl hot stuff, come and get it. Like, so, you know, it's kind of hard to sometimes listen to these songs and like take them serious, but somehow he sells it. And I'm not exactly sure how he's doing it, but it's working for me. Um, absolute soup to nuts. Best song so far. Yeah. The song right here, Sonny said it, th- this is how you can kind of see kind of the, uh, the beginnings of the slide it in, you know, era of, of white snake here. There's still some rainbow and some deep purple feeling in here, especially with the keys. Uh, but the song is incredible. Speaking of like earworms during the first verse, I love how at, after each line, you get a quick little drum fill from Ian pace. And then, and then David sings the lyrics and you get, and then he sings. And I love that. And of course that little guitar, that little guitar fill, that little earworm thing, which at some point, points in the song I'm like is that guy's guitar out of tune because it's it, it sounds like it has like a weird tone to it but obviously it's not and then the, the solo i love the solo you can hear the keyboards underneath the solo this is just a great song if i can complain about one thing it's that the the drums and the bass are doing pretty much the exact same thing for the entire song so it makes it bouncy. Exactly. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's bouncy. Yeah. It's going like this. But what the drums are doing and what David Coverdale himself is doing just carries the song. Great tune. Great song. Don't Break My Heart Again, written by David Coverdale. I love the intro, the John Lord organ. Oh, my God. It's got such a driving beat. It's almost like the song Maniac. Remember Maniac from fucking, I don't know, Flash? Michael Cimbello? Yeah, that's it. Well, there's 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 an analogy I never imagined. Yeah, yeah, my that ding the the keyboard vibe. Uh the bridge is awesome and that little guitar accent time and again I sing you a song. Oh my god. Uh the backing vocals are great. Uh the lyrics are surprisingly pretty good, I put. I I love the lyrics that go, I know that even in a summer love, a little bit of rain must fall. And then he goes all the way down to, and they all keep being back to you. Fucking great. And then time and again, I sing. And then the guitar accent comes out right into the fucking solo. Uh, I just, I, this song always was the reason why come and get it stood out to me. When you play this the first time through, if you hear a song that usually for me, I, I need a couple listens to before something comes out. And when I get those songs that stick out on the first listen, oh man, I fucking fall in love. And this one stood out to me more than it's so fucking melodic. And this is the type of music that I love this hard rock, bluesy, melodic kind of stuff. And they really hit the nail on the head. Supposedly there's a little quick story of Mars. didn't want to do a bunch of takes and the producer Martin Birch was like, you're done. And he's like, no, 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 a couple more. Done, 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 done. And he kept doing a couple more. And then he like comes back and listens and goes, fuck, you are right. Like he's that good of a producer. He knows what he needs. He doesn't fuck around. He doesn't do 20 fucking 30 takes. 
And I, I think the, the guitar solo on this was top notch. The whole song is. Now, even more, they did a video for this, which compare that to like all the other White Snake videos, which they're known for in the 80s. Uh, this is a little bit different. So the the set and the like the stage that there is a performance video, it looks like uh live in the heart of the city. If you yeah. look at the cover, it yep, looks the, like that. The lighting and with everything. the lights. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it does look like that. Um Ian Pace is just holy unattractive man. He looks like an uglier version of the guy from that 70s show. I don't know what his name. He had the curly hair and stuff. Yep. That guy. He looks like him. And then you got stupid mustache fucking Rick Keo on the guitar. But the way that they're bopping around that you talked about, like the bass and the drums, it makes it fun. It makes you yep. want to take a guitar and swing back and forth. The way the dual guitar attack is going and they're all swinging to the song. And then Marzen's always singing all the backing vocals. It's just, I think, a fun looking video. Yeah, and you can't, I, you can't, we can't make fun of Ian Pace's hat because John Bonham used to wear those all the time too. That must have been a 70s, like late 70s British drummer thing because there's, 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 there's pictures of in concerts of Bonham wearing one of those bucket hats too, like a bozo. But uh, yeah, no, the video is great. It's funny seeing like a baby faced young Coverdale, but he looks, he looks incredible. How fucking cool does he look? He looks awesome. He like looks like what. Yeah, yeah, the tie, the skinny yeah. body, long, tall frame, yeah. and he doesn't have the stupid fucking shoulder pads that he doesn't yep. like. Give me all your love tonight, and he doesn't have the puffed out hair. He just has brownish long, down here. So you're like, when you look yeah. at them, like, nah, he doesn't really look like Robert Plant or emulating him. And the way he's just like jumping, kind of moving his feet throughout the whole song, and the whole band is just swinging the guitars. And the other guy I wanted to say is Neil Murray. If I don't think that I've, I think I know of like three or four videos that I've ever seen that he's in every video. He's always happy and smiling mm. and like a happy guy makes him so likable. He's always just like enjoying the music. He, I think he's the only one that could have continued in Whitesnake after uh, after when they did 87. Mm. None of the other guys could have. No way. Yeah. And the tie kind of uh, gives you that uh, a gentleman vibe. Yeah, right. That's a good point. It gives you that. Yeah, yep. and new and, age shit too, like Robin yeah. Palmer shit. You're right. The problem with these night early '80s performance videos is somebody tells them, "Do not move off your spot." <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. exactly because right. These guys are bebopping, but yep. they do not leave their spot. <laughs> yeah, no, nope. No, <laughs> they, no, they, they, tape, they tape that little X on the stage. <laughs> stay right there. Yeah. Yep. But compare that to all the fucking. Like gimmicks that are going on in Instill the Night, people licking oh, their yeah. faces, flipping guitars back and out, pulling out bows, <laughs> doing all sorts of shit, right? People licking faces. Right? It's one guy. All right, but you get what I mean. Like it's, it's a all great, it's so a great over- moment. Yeah, it's all so different. Instead of this video, you got a fucking fat fire hydrant, a fucking bucket head, a stupid mustache, and fucking idiots that don't look like they can move on stage. Gee, and we're uh, wondering out loud why they didn't make it big in the U.S. <laughs> or they don't like us tagging them in the fucking yeah. Yeah, on episodes. <laughs> yeah, Bernie, thanks for listening. Uh, we love you. <laughs> you assholes. You do. All right. Let's get into the blues. Uh, 
And to me, this is the first song that sounds very deep purple, which means it's boring. The verses are boring. The chorus is not bad. The drum accent start and stop helps a little. The little guitar licks help. But the song just kind of plods. And then you kind of get this bluesy solo. It works, but the song is just meh. And Coverdale selling Lonely's kind of meh. And I just, I don't like that much purple. That's just all there is to it. And all I could hear is deep purple and I couldn't stop hearing it. Do you like in live, do you like the song In the Heart of the City? Ain't no. No love? Nope. They fucking, that is White Snake's psycho circus. You're going to fucking like this song. whether you guys, No matter what you guys complain about, we're fucking playing it. I, I've never understood the 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 amount of fucking attention that David Coverdale gives that song. It's fucking over the top. And this is in that same vein. I think I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, Tommy, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, it didn't work for me either. It was it, it, if it wasn't for Coverdale, I don't even know if I'd get through it. Um, Coverdale carries it because I just love his voice. It's it the repetition of the of the title of the song and i know that was a that's a big thing they say lonely days lonely nights maybe six billion times at the end of this song <laughs> i get it i get it and it's it is I, I i am on record i like some rainbow i do not like any deep purple and you're right this is not a, this not enough white snake here too much deep purple the background vocals are horrendous when they when the when the guys jump in singing "Lonely Days," I'm like, "This is this is British shit right here. This is not White Snake." And if and if and if Coverdale wasn't here, the song would be really really bad. But again, I love Coverdale, so I can tolerate it because I like listening to him. But kind of a tough listen for me for me with the, with this song. Uh, "Lonely Days, Lonely Nights." This is a Coverdale written song, hence it's a very bluesy song. Um, on this one is Mick Moody who plays the solo on this. Uh, it's a blues song. I'm not, you know, some blues songs work. Sometimes they don't. Uh, even since, uh, um, even since I've been loving you, like for me and other, some other blues songs by Zeppelin and other bands, it's just, sometimes you can feel it. And then other times you're like, is the song over? And, uh, thankfully I will say this. It's only four minutes and 16 seconds. These type of songs, unfortunately, sometimes go on for about seven or eight minutes. So Mm -hmm. I'll give them credit in that sense that they brought it down. And, you know, how many people have put in lyrics that the bottle's their only friend? Yeah, I love that. And how many musicians, a woman and whiskey, my only friends. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. Um, 
But I like the ending part when he actually picks it up a little bit. Lonely days, lonely nights. Someday, baby's going to be all right. It's a nice little solo. And then he says it 600 more times. Which goes on and on again. But I'll say for Blue Song, the fact that it ends at four minutes and 16 seconds, that's actually pretty good. True. Um, A lot of the older White Snake albums will have a type of song like this. I'll be honest. And like we were just talking about Ain't No Love in the Heart of the City. Fucking Cycle Circus Part 2. Loves to play that fucking song. Loves it. And that doesn't work for me either. So I don't know. All right. (laughs) Let's go to a fun song next. women and song so here comes the honky talk piano you can kiss my ass uh love the pace change of the 45 second mark because it makes it like bouncy and fun i like the guitar accents i like the guitar line i like the switching off of the guitar solos and this is one of those where okay am i the biggest bernie and mickey no i'm not i'm not the biggest fan but sykes couldn't do this right like there's no way that vivian and adrian can pull this off right you got to have the right guys to do this kind of stuff it's basically a blues bar band boogie tune and if you are a white snake fan it's basically the sister song to bloody mary off of trouble to me um but dude, you better lock up your daughter and your sister too. Dude, that's awesome. Like, you can't like he's not singing about dinosaurs, and yes, he's not giving us history lessons. But goddamn, are the songs fun. Right? So I, I actually like this too. Gene Simmons stole that lyric a little bit later on. Lock up your daughters. <laughs> We're coming to your town. We're here for the slaughter. I'll kick you when you're down. Can we do that? Can I think we're doing about something else he was talking about, though? All right. So when I first heard this, I'm like, so this is what it would sound like if Led Zeppelin performed with the Muppets. (laughs) 
This is like Rolf on the fucking piano. I'm like, what am I? Is this is like one of those saloon things? The piano you put like a quarter in. It's it self plays and it's got the roll. I'm like, what the? What is happening here? It's like Jerry Lee Lewis Muppet shit again. Thank God for David Coverdale because he sells it. It's it. The song is ridiculous, but it's fucking fun as hell. Coverdale sells it. Like you said, you better lock up your daughter, your sister too. I'm going to rock and roll over you. I mean, he can pull that off. It's awesome. It's a fun song, but it's just a ridiculous song. That, that, that little old timey Western saloon piano thing is just, it's insane. But uh, I give him credit for putting this song out there. It's, it's fun. It's, it's not great, but it's fun. Wine, women and song. How many times do they do that with the apostrophes on this album? Come and get it's like that. Wine, women, and song yep, is like yep. that. And hit and run is like that in technically till the day I die instead of until the day I die. Uh, the album, the song is actually credited to every member of the band. So wow, because nobody this. wanted to take credit. <laughs> <laughs> Sonny, I'm with you. This is so much fun, though. The fucking piano, it, it makes it so. Hoverdale can get away with this. We would fucking, I, at least I know I would, being the hypocrite that I know I am. If this was Brett Michaels in like, this is <laughs> That's the exactly what I was saying. Thing. If like, it was Hoverdale, I'd be like, oh my God. Hoverdale can, is, makes this, it's so cheeky, darling. Like, oh that's God. how you get it. Like, he can make this work. He likes wine, women, and song. You get it? And when he starts throwing out like things like, uh, where is it? Give me a good time woman and a love potion foot bottle of booze because I got a jukebox heart full of honky tonk rhythm and blues. Come on, I mean, what are we doing right now? <laughs> uh, that's that's like that's karaoke almost, but again, God bless Coverdale. Yeah, this is one of those that I think he can get away with it. It's Coverdale. Uh, and then I love he does he does another Coverdale in this when he goes me and the boys are going to tell you about it right now. I like that because like, his 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 accent comes out so heavy there. It's like Paul Stanley early like the where you can hear the New York accent. Yeah, yeah. Most British musicians I can't tell Robert Plant is British when I hear Zeppelin songs. No, I can fucking tell every time this asshole sings. He's I'm from England, darling. Like yep. that, it, it comes across in his on all his to- songs. Um, I love the look out before the solo. Anytime you kick off a solo, we're telling what the guitar player is going to do. Love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, just a fast driving song. I uh, to me, I find this. This is one of the reasons why he uh, uh, he endears himself to me. I oh, think yeah. he's so much fun and such a likable guy. I love this song. I think it's a lot of fun. Let's flip the album over. Let's go to side two.
child of Babylon. <clears throat> All right. Before even hearing the song, <laughs> just the word Babylon in a song title. Yep. Puts it at 90%. I ain't gonna like it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> then you start the wind blowing and the mystical bullshit. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. All right. So I'm going to say the good stuff first. The drums and the music and accents and the chorus definitely help. Backing vocals are good here. The musical interlude in the middle of the song works. Everything else about the song is super boring. I, if Coverdale wasn't singing the song, I wouldn't even ever want to listen to it again. Like it's just deep purple and the song absolutely plods. And when the groove isn't right on these blues songs, I just, I almost fell asleep listening to this song, but that's, I just did not like it at all. And there was a few little chunks in there, but overall I could just hear like grandpa Zeus. I don't just listen to what he's saying versus the marshmallow head or whatever, <laughs> but I'm just, I just can't get into it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, this is another song where I mean it's a it's a nice follow up to Fozzie Bear or you know fucking the Muppets, but it's this is this has a little bit more slided in feel to it. Um, it it's I think it's a it, it's a nice follow up from Wine Women and Song because I hate to use this word, but it's it's a little bit more of a, like a sophisticated song, not just lyrically, but I think the whole construct of the, the composition of the music and everything. It's got a nice groove to it, but. To me, uh, we're halfway through the album, and I'm starting to think that this band can only do like one or two things. And I'm like, ah, okay, where have I, have I heard this already? Am I going to hear this again? Um, I don't mind it though. I, I think it's a decent song. Child of Babylon, written by Ronnie James Dio. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he didn't write this. Yeah. <laughs> but you would think he did with that fucking title. David Coverdale and Bernie Marsden. The slow buildup like nobody's fool with the wind and shit blowing in. I thought I was going to hear that, but uh, maybe this might ring a bell to Tom. I got a feeling when the lyrics and the vocals start coming, Tom, I hear in the light. Physical. Really? Physical okay. Key. Well, yeah, yeah. Because of the way the, the intro. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the, the key, whatever that ding, ding. Yep. And then the light, the vocals and stuff. Okay. Um, I see that. I see that. Yeah. So I, the lyrics, I just. Settle down. I don't. I can't, <laughs> that's what I have written. <laughs> settle down. What the fuck is a child of Babylon? Dude, the whole world didn't just shatter. And the way he's so over. The top dramatic my, of this child. Oh, my father said this. My mother's. Oh, look who's at so the earth is going to shake it to its core because the child of Babylon was born. Right? Just think about the fucking phrases that he uses. Um, Lord have mercy on a wayward son. Oh, the child of Babylon. And and here's another thing. The way he pronounces Babylon sounds like Seinfeld saying Babu. Babylon. I'm a child of Babylon. Just little things like that. I'm like, the wheels are in motion. Wheels are in motion. (laughs) Betty Batman Jetty. I like the double vocals, uh, the doubled up vocals on the bridge part. Uh, The drums are really good. 
And then uh, there's a part in there where uh, I, I saw Martin, pa- uh, Martin Popoff, good buddy over there on uh, Pantheon Podcast, has a book about White Snake. Mm-hmm. And in that section about coming get, he talks about where Marzen talks how what a, like how everybody loves John Lord and how he helps on songs and writing things like that. And he never like takes credit. He'll be like, ah, don't worry about it. It's okay. I just want that to help you. No, no, don't give me credit on this stuff. And there's a nice little segment where he talks specifically about this and how much John Lord helps him come up with some stuff and that he's a real class guy and all that stuff. So anyways, I found that interesting. Let's go to the next track. Hey girl, if you want it, come and get me. I lie to you. All right. So at least this one's more upbeat. Love the harmonizing vocal in the verses, simple chorus. Love the start stop of the guitar riff and the music. Satin sheet accent, dude, this <laughs> sexy song. I mean, uh, the middle part with the vocal bridge work. But supposedly you got this two great guitarists and there's no solo. Like give them 30 seconds, right? Like, and this, this song could have used it. Because I think it's a good song anyway. It would be that much better. And then I love it when this happens. And I know you guys love it too. The end of the second chorus, instead of what he says should. Mm. Right. I so love that. Yep. And, you know, just to get in your pants. Right. So it's <laughs> David understands the persona that he plays. I don't even know if it's a persona, honestly. I think it's just his personality, but he plays it. And it doesn't overplay it. It's it's just so perfect. I don't even know how to explain it really, because he got he kind of found something that worked for him, and it worked for him for years and years and years and years. No matter how old he got, how is that possible? So this song, I, I, I mentioned it previously on Child of Babylon. This is a good song. I enjoy it because I it's got that swagger, that blues groove again. Coverdale carrying the torch for it. But we're getting into the territory again, and this happens again, where I'm like, isn't this kind of come and get it part two? Like, it's that the drums are like, you know, nothing else is playing, and you get like a little riff and a keyboard thing. And I mean, again, I like it. That's the style. But kind of like on Lonely Days, I think he said, would I lie to you maybe 500 million times at the end of the song? Um, I, I'm like, I get it. I, I know, no, David, you're never going to lie to me. I get it. You've told me, um, I like it though. It's got, it's got that groove and and they nail it. They do it. They do what they do. They do it. Well, 
Would I Lie to You, written by David Coverdale, the two guitarists, Mick Moody and Bernie Marsden. I just like the fact that when you hear the title, right, Would I Lie to You? What do you think he's talking about? Why does he need to talk about this last part? Just to get in your pawns. Exactly. We know exactly what you're talking about. You, <laughs> you, never, know. You, 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 you never know. You never know. You think he's asking to borrow a couple bucks and he'll pay him right back? Would I lie to you? I'll pay you back. No, he's talking to a chick about fucking her. That's the only thing David Coverdale is thinking about. That's it. That whole... I don't know. When I first heard this album and I'm a little kid in the whole just to get in your ponds, dude. I, I love like, it. Yeah, this is the greatest song of all time. It is fucking all catchy as hell. Oh my god, it works. And you're absolutely right. It's just a better version of Come and Get It. It's the exact same song, but a lot cooler and a lot better than the title track. Sounds just like it a little bit. But this one is a lot more fun on it. And, and there's the earworm, the cover deal stuff. I'm surprised I didn't hear Sonny go when he goes, after sleeping alone, he goes, mm-mm. He does a little, <laughs> yep. He's got an accent to everything because it's cover deal. Or the spoken word, oh, is that what you want? Dan, Dan, would I? The catchy <laughs> chord. You know what I think of, too? Picture this. And you guys can see this, but the people listening. It's the snapping of the fingers in the fucking would I lie to you? and that neck going back and forth like oh yeah would I lie to you? or are you thinking or are you thinking of the Eurythmics and Annie yeah. Lennox saying would yeah. I lie to you yeah would I lie to you would I say something that wasn't true exactly now tell me baby would I lie to you yeah there's no soul on this which you know it's disappointing but uh, the last. Just to get your pants, and he goes, "Ha, I think so." <laughs> it's it's like he's like his own stand up comedian. He's like telling himself his own punchlines. Like he he is Quackmire. He's saying exactly out loud, and the girl's like passed out on the floor. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> giggity giggity. <laughs> and there's a video for this one. Who wants to take it first? Yeah, so it's basically the same shoot, a little bit of a wardrobe change. But what I noticed in this video is they did more close-ups of Dave's face. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of the facial expressions and the sexual innuendos. He's got that kind of going on in the video, which is kind of cool. So it really showed, like, David's energy. Everybody else seemed the same except for the stupid bucket hatch. But <laughs> besides that, everybody else was the same. But David was sold better in that video. Yeah, because I think the video, because uh, I think the video is him singing like "Would I Lie to You." So uh, having the camera right. on him, it's like he's talking to the camera. So I think I think it's gonna be right. It's a similar performance. performance he does video. that over dramatic pronunciation when he sings in videos. Yeah, yeah. that it looks like he's taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he looks like he's in pain when he's singing. <laughs> so you look at it, he like Eddie Vetta used to do that in his early videos. You'd see when you'd see even like, like wow, look how fucking intense he is yep. singing. The, like he's like pouring his heart out or something. Coverdale seems like, oh, 
But he's talking about getting pussy. Like, oh, I'm in pain. I need you. I need you, baby. Come on, darling. Would I lie to you to get to your pawns? Oh, it's just fucking cover deal. Yeah, and the, the bucket hat comes out on this fucking video with Ian Pace. Come on, stop bashing the drummer. And, and then, the, you know, the two guitars and the basses, everybody's bebopping along. They do, do, do. Come on. Sonny, what, what, what's the matter with the bucket hat? Come on, man. Come you on. sell it. You for sell the, it. For, the, for, for everybody who can't see me right now, which is everybody can't see me, I have my Kiss Cruise bucket hat on in defense of bald bucket hat drummer guys everywhere. I just even though I'm not like, a drummer. Picture like dads at a fucking t ball game wearing a bucket hat. That's exactly right. That's right. Maybe Ian Pace had a. Maybe, look at this goof. Who the fuck is this moron? Hey, I'm Ian Pace, motherfucker. I got fucking sideburns that touch my nose and my chin. Hey, he doesn't care. One of the great drummers of all time. Oh, I agree with you there. All right, let's go, girl. So great groove to the music again, has a little bit of funk, which I love that. Got the bass is thumping a little bit more. This is probably the closest you get to Coverdale rapping, right? Because he's talking and kind of rapping at the same time. The accents and the music and the chorus are great. The actual chorus melody, I'm not in love with. I like the verse chorus, uh, uh, the verse melody is a little bit better. The shake my tail for you. Okay, you can get it away with that today pretty little crazy white girl i don't know if you can away with that today <laughs> right um i'm kind of glad this is not the first white snake song i ever heard because it would maybe disappoint me but then i don't know there's something about this song there's stuff about this song that i like because of the funk and stuff but then the, you know the girl uh, uh, like come on dude really so it's a hit and miss. Yeah, the, the groove is cool. The funk, it, it is kind of like Coverdale's version of kind of like, you know, rap talking kind of thing. Yeah. But arguably, 
maybe the most ridiculous chorus in the history <laughs> of album review crew. I mean, and that includes poisons. Look what the cat dragged in. This is just when I first heard this, I'm like, pretty little crazy white girl. And then, and then, like you said, you, you can't, you can't try to turn this into like some song. You just said pretty little crazy white girl, like just ridiculous. But again, like I've said, like I've said every song it's Coverdale. He sells it and you buy it. And that's why he's so amazing. But the song is a little bit just, ah, what are we doing here? Girl written by David Coverdale, Bernie Marsden, and uh, uh, Bill Murray. I mean, uh, Neil Murray. So uh, <laughs> Neil Murray brought this in. And you could tell that the bassist probably brought this because I got that fucking funky guitar, the bass riff. I actually, I think that's really cool. The pretty little crazy white girl. Is it because the other fucking white girl, whatever fucking song? Do you think that's why then? Like, I mean, it would make sense to be the title instead of girl. So what do you think the discussion was about changing the title to just girl? I think they didn't want white girl in the title of the song. I don't think they wanted that. I I don't think they wanted that printed on the album. You play that funky music, white boys. And I think that yeah. girl, <laughs> that's supposed to be the chorus, I think. Maybe. Uh, girl, Maybe. Right? Maybe. So that's the song. Yeah. Somewhere I thought I saw that it was saying like that he wrote that about his daughter. Oh, now, wow. okay. That's why like they make him get on his floor and shake his tail for him. Like he like he'll do whatever he can to help out, like entertain his kid or something. Interesting. I, okay. I don't know. Uh, but again, again. It's cover deal. So then you see, baby, I really give it to you every day. Yeah. I hope he's not singing about his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> or a little girl. <laughs> or a little girl. Uh, that's why I wrote a little crazy. Like, yeah, who's he singing about? Pretty <laughs> little crazy white girl. Who is it? Hello, my little white girl daughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the hell, dude? Uh yeah, this one is uh it's it's got a nice funky little rhythm. And it, again. If Poison did this song, how bad oh. would we be laughing if Brett Michaels had a song? Pretty <laughs> little crazy white girl. See, I'm just happy that we never miss an opportunity to throw Poison up against the wall during our ARC episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if Coverdale cleans it up and gets uh, asexual in the next track. Yeah. 
Hit and run. All right. So what works for me? The guitar riff, the music, the verses, the pre-chorus, the bridge. All work for me. The chorus hook is not good. And saying hit and run, even though Carvadale says it several different ways, saying it 83 times in a row does not help. And then you got the, you know, if you're going to die, if you're going to die. <laughs> that's, that's in my head now. That you, you love that. that. From like about an hour ago. Horrendous. <laughs> that song's on fast. So the song's okay, but the hook is so bad that I'm just like, you know what? The song's just overall meh for me. I let just. Me, uh, let me ask you, Sonny. Why weren't you guys saying the same thing when we did slide it in? What do you think he's, how many times does he say guilty of love in other tracks? I mean, it's a white snake thing. He fucking does okay. this all the time. I, I can answer I will, that too. I will, I will, I will count it. There okay. ain't no way he says guilty of love. <laughs> as as he says no, but I'm saying. Hit run is 3X. But you know what I mean? If you go through the white snake discography, he does this. It's a white, it's a Coverdale thing where he repeats a line like a million times. I'll tell you why, because I think on those songs, I think there's so much going on more background musically with a guitar solo outro or something here. There's minimal music. So you can't help but hear him say hit run 800 times. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even, and even in guilty of love, right. He would say it over and over, but every once in a while he goes, I'm guilty. Right. So he's yeah. adding stuff yeah. here and there to not make a repeat over and over. The blues bar band go to mm. is a line that goes over and over and over and over. Dude, he just right? wants to a little, create the group. A little hit and run. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just didn't know he needed 83 times. <laughs> so right, fucking see, horny. So now see, see, I so I like I like this one. It it, it kind of has that a similar vibe to come and get it. It's got that that groove. It's got a talk box solo. I mean, how yeah. can you not fucking? That's awesome. It's got a drum. It's got a, a the drums break down. There's a little groove that goes into the solo. I actually like what's going on in the background. What the guitars are doing in the background during each like verse, and then I actually like the the chorus kind of vibe. I think I think this song actually kind of. Stands out a little. There's a little bit of something different. Like I said, you get the talk box, you get the drum breakdown, you get the solo. There's something a little bit different. This this is very Zeppelin-y to me here. This one. Okay, so you said Zeppelin, yeah. and then you did that guitar thing. How did that guitar thing go? Did that not bring it on home? Kind of. Yeah, that's what I got. All right, but yeah, I disagree with Sonny on this one. I like hit and run. Yeah. Hit and Run, written again by Coverdale, Moody, and Marsden. I, I had this as, again, Tom, I put, this is the that Zeppelin kind of, I can pick up on it, and I put, talked about the riff of Bring It On Home. I think it's a decent song. I fucking love a talk box oh, yeah. song. I yep. just, it's, it's so silly. Uh, but this whole Hit and Run, <laughs> he, the whole song is about that he just wants to fuck women and leave. That's it. And he's like, I just want to hit and run. Nah, don't talk to me. I'll be gone. I just want to hit and run and say it, it like two hundred it, times. It's just, it's a little bit more clever than Gene saying "love him, leave him." He's just trying to hit and run, like it's same fucking thing. <laughs> hit and run. <laughs> yep. He is the horniest man we know. <laughs> yeah, All right. Wait, don't this. we have somebody that can put "hit and run" and "ladies room" together? Ooh. Isn't there a listener that does that for us? Oh, yeah. Oh, we can. Don't give me any fucking ideas. Man. 
do it. White snake kiss combo. Great. Oh, God. Don't do oh, that. God. All right. Let's go to the final track, boys. To the bone, thoughts of summer breezes turn my heart to stone. That's when I need a hand to guide me when it's more than I can bear. A shoulder I can cry on, someone will lead me there. Give me love, give me love, give me love to the day I die, to the day I die. I die. I'm going to start with saying there is absolutely nothing I like about this song. <gasps> this is why I love ARC. Nothing. You have got to end the album with a blistering track. I like the sexy David Coverdale. I don't like this Coverdale. He, they kick it in about two minutes in. It's too goddamn late. I've already given up by then. Then there's the Hammond solo. It's just even the one thing I could have liked which was Coverdale hits this amazing note at the end, and then they fade it out. You can barely hear it. I just, oh, look up thud in Webster's equals till the day I die. That's that's what just absolute thud at the end of the album. Go ahead. This is why I love ARC, and I can't wait until we get into song rankings. Not the big fan of Led Zeppelin, are you fine? (laughs) That's... 
I love this song because I love Led Zeppelin. This is Gallows Pole. This is something like that. I over love the hills and far the, away. The, over the hills and far away. Those that the, the the mix of acoustic and then when it kicks in, it kicks in. This song to me stands out so separately in a good way from the rest of the album. Not that I don't like the other nine songs. I think I, my my notes here. Sonny just said, "Look up Thud." Clo-. <laughs> I have right here, great closer. Like that's my note is that I have, this is a great closer. This is a killer song. I think it, I think the band shines on it. I think Coverdale's vocals shine on it. Love it. Totally, totally. This is why I love ARC right here. Till the day I die written only by David Coverdale. So when COVID was going on, I remember Coverdale would occasionally entertain us by putting stuff out and he'd play acoustic guitar. I'm like Coverdale can actually play a guitar. He knows how to do shit. He did a version of this. Oh, wow. And I fucking lost my shit. I was like, oh, my God. He just did till the day I die. Like, I I never pictured him ever playing this. I didn't know he could play. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Same thing. He played the acoustic guitar. He sang the song, Tom. It was fucking awesome. That's pretty awesome. I got to see if I can find the tweet now. It's way back. But uh, this is probably one of the reasons why I want to do this album. I wanted to put this on everyone's radar. This song is exactly why I fell in love with this uh, White Snake, the Zeppelin, the blues rock. Not many bands can pull that shit off like this and make it sound so authentic and real. I don't know what part of this I love. The acoustic part, the vocals, or him just hmm, like that humming that he's doing underneath. And then it can hit those fucking high notes. Of all the hair metal, like fucking great uh, vocalists of the era that can go into that level. I, I it's it's so incredible to me. Oh, even the even the John Lord part makes it a great little little uh, thing that it, it actually adds adds to the song. It's not pussy-ish keyboard music in the middle of the song. <laughs> I think it actually makes the song better. To me, till the day I die has always stood out and always separated this album from all the other early white snake albums. And if anybody got anything into from this album, if somebody picks up on the brilliance, I think of this song, then I'll be happy. But I find it funny that once again, Tom and I both jump on a fucking epic closer and you are completely opposite of us. You do not like, (laughs) Like suicide, outlaw torn, outlaw torn, shit like this. I think this is the perfect song to end an album with. Yep, agreed. Yes, perfect sonny. Song. Yes, sonny. Well, no. This is um, White Snakes. Come and get it. Uh, just final thoughts. I'll say for me, I love. I love the whole album. I don't have a skippable song on here. Even having played this album for like. 30, 40 years. I don't know fucking how long it's been. I I I love this. I go to it still. I always played this. Uh Tom for Christmas picked up little box of snakes for me. And it's actually, I think it's got a cleaner version than the remastered come and get it. So I was listening to that a little bit. I just realized why I fell in love with this band. David Coverdale is just just it's got so much charisma, vocal talent, lyrics, the band. 
I, I'm not sure you, everybody has different styles of, of white sync. They like, honestly, these two are probably my favorite guitars. And I love Neil Murray, anything. I think that blue style fits David Coverdale. The song is more important, not the over the top. Fucking let me pull out a bow shit. And let me go ooh in the mirror and look at myself. <laughs> and this band, White Snake, in this era, I believe, come and get it is right in their sunny poony bang zone of early White Snake. I hope you guys will listen to this and go down a rabbit hole. Maybe you like some of the songs, maybe you don't, but you'll pick out a few and then you'll start going down to the other White Snake albums. You'll find yourself going, holy shit, this is like a whole new band I just discovered. That's how I felt. I hope you guys will feel the same. Um, that's my thoughts on this. All right. So I'm a huge White Snake fan overall. My bang zone is really slided into today. I would say there's some gems in the blues based White Snake, but probably never enough for me to indulge like a full album. I would say between Snake Bite and Saints and Sinners, I could probably come up with one great 20 song double album but after that i've got desert island type albums right so and you know the mid to late 80s did wonders for coverdale kudos for dave for making some tough decisions he left some great musicians behind because they you know it's one of those what got you here won't get you there yeah and he's smart enough to see that and brave enough to take the shot because let's face it he made millions making that decision and he was not making millions doing this shit. And that's just how it is. Right. Yep. So it is two completely different bands. And most people that are into white snake are either into like one side or the other. I think both sides have their place, but when, if I'm going to put a white snake album on front to back, it's not going to be anything older than slide it in. Yeah. So I said at the beginning of the episode, this is back to back ARC episodes where I'm, I'm thrilled to discover new Older music, in this case, really older music, uh, never owned this and never heard it before Zeus picked it. I mean, I owned it, you know, with the, the the vinyl Zeus had gotten me for it, got it, got it for me as a gift, which thank God. Um, but just a, a pleasant surprise. And, you know, and I, I we'll say it again. We, we're all kind of singing the same tune here is this is Coverdale's album. I mean, he's surrounded by great musicians, you know, the songs. But to me, if this was like a deep purple album. I don't know if I'd be able to get myself through it with, with, with that kind of vocal. These songs need Coverdale's sexuality, charisma, groove, and he and he nails it. Um, it, it I'm not going to tell you it's my favorite White Snake album. Uh, I think that'll always be slided in. But this 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 is a this is a great album. It's a lot of good, even and like Zeus said, there's no skips there. There are songs I like more than others, like with any album. But there's nothing where I'm like, oh god. Like I, I, I can't listen to this. You know, even the Muppet song is is fun enough to listen to, but uh, it's a fun, it's a fun album. It's a good album. All right, what we do next is we start going down the tracks. Ten songs. My album. I'll go first. You guys ready? Yep. Uh, number ten. Lonely days, lonely nights. Number ten for me. Give me kitten got claws or spit it out any time of the day 
over till the day I fucking die. Oh my god, dude! This is do I tell you right now? People must think we script this because this is insane. I but this is why I love it. Like you must be in my head. Like I know Zeus picked this album because he loves that song. (laughs) This is not only am I going to say I don't like the song, I'm going to say it's fucking horror. (laughs) The kittens got claws. Actually, I don't mind that. That song. song's not bad. <laughs> Scratch your back. Kittens got claws. Your titties, your please, yeah. That, that, your kittens got claws. She's a hard attack. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't Why don't we just Why don't we do this, Zeus? Why don't we do the White Snake Chronicles and just do all the White Snake albums? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Number ten for me is uh, the Muppets National Anthem, Wine, Women, and Song. Oh, Jesus. Christ. The title track is number nine for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Number nine for me is Hit and Run. Hit and Run. Wow. Hit and Run. Hit uh, and num- Run. My number nine is Hot Stuff. All righty, then. Number eight for me. This is where it gets tough because the next few songs are kind of the same. Uh, I'll I'll go with Child of Babylon. Child of Babylon. Babu! <laughs> Which is my number eight. Child of Baby Lawn. All right. Now I'll do. It's not Lazy Days and Crazy Nights by Tesla. <laughs> it's Lonely Day, Lonely Nights at number eight. All right. Number uh, seven for me. It's between two songs. I've got to, or oh, actually three songs. So I've got to figure out which one is worse. I'm going to go with Hit and Run is number seven. All right. Seven for me is Lonely Days, Lonely Nights. Seven for me is Child of Baby Lawn. Uh, number six for me is Girl. Girl, because that is my number six. That's also my, num- that's also my number six. Why don't you just tell us the name of your number six song? <laughs> uh, number five for me. I walk the streets at midnight looking for a little hot stuff. Oh, my God almighty. Number five for me is come and get it. My number five is would I lie to you? You got to finish that last part then. I'm asking you, baby, would I lie <laughs> to you? <laughs> I thought you could do the, just to get in your palms. Oh, no, no, no. I got to do the eurythmics part. <laughs> and then and then Annie Lennox and then Annie Lennox jumps in just to get in your pants. <laughs> just to get in her pants and pull her cock out. <laughs> number four. <laughs> People tell me it's wrong, but at number four, I put wine woman in song. Oh boy. And that is my number four. My number four is the title track, Come and Get It. Number three. Just to get in both of your pants. Oh, boy. Uh, number three for me is Hot Stuff. You just can't get enough, Sonny. Hot Stuff. Number three. I'm the only one who likes this one. Hit and Run. Number three. That's not bad. Number two is like these two songs, I think, are just separate themselves. And that's Don't Break My Heart Again. Number two for me is what I lied to you. Oh boy. Uh, number two for me is also don't break my heart. And I'm dying right now that me and Zeus is number one. Of course it is. I, I love it. I love it. Till the day I die is probably 
I don't know, top five, top three pop white snake song of all time. Fucking love it. Till the day I die would be the best Britney Fox song there was. <laughs> oh, come on. Britney Fox. <laughs> would it be the best Britney Spears song? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, my number one was Don't Break My Heart Again. Great. Okay. Like my number one. Before. My number one, Till the Day I Die. And I want somebody, I want some of our crack squad listeners out there. When was the last time? I know it had to have happened. Maybe you guys know off the top of your head where Zeus and I's number one song was Sonny's last song. That's this, happened before. This, has happen, this has happened before. Hasn't it? I, yeah, I, I thought I, oh, yeah. it seems familiar. I know I'm sure it is. It he's, he's all proud. Oh, yeah, of course it is. I'm sure it has. Yeah, I'm sure it has. All right. So collectively, number four was Hot Stuff. Number three was Till the Day I Die. Awesome. Number four was Would I Lie to You? And number one was Don't Break My Heart Again. Dude, how do you take such a brilliant song and it's all the way down to number three because of you? Wait, wait till the votes come in. It'll be dead last. Oh, God. Because people don't mean, actually, I don't know. Because people don't know any of these songs. So maybe if they listen, who knows? These aren't. Don't, don't break my heart again. We'll win until the day I die. We'll lose. Lose in what sense? Last place? Dead last. Dead last. Here come the burner accounts. Yep, that last. But anyways, these won't have a lot of votes on it. Most of these uh, ones that aren't like big, big album sellers, are same thing. So, all right, let's go to album covers now. Uh, Tom, you want to read your top five? Yeah. So for everybody, if you want to check out all the ARC episodes, all the albums we've done, you can visit our website, shoutoutloudcast.com and click on the album review crew link. There's all the albums. So as far as covers go, my top five covers are number five, Highway to Hell, number four, Moving Pictures, number three, The Guy on Fire for Rage Against the Machine, uh, number two, Blizzard of Oz, and number one, Beep Beep, Purple Rain. Uh, I love this cover. I am going to throw it in at number eight behind Appetite for Destruction and nice. above Black Tiger. All right, I'll go. My top five, slide it in. Peace of Mind, Appetite, Blizzard, and Hotel California. I think this belongs um, at number seven, mm. just underneath Highway to Hell. And I, well, the reason I'm putting Highway to Hell is the 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 fucking devil horns. The it's horns. such an it's such yeah. an iconic thing because it's a fun picture of the band, and then the horns of the little thing. It just I just think that's legendary. Yep. Uh, so I think this is slightly better than Pyromania. All right, for me, top five so far right now. Number five is Purple Rain. Four is Moving Pictures. Three is Homie on Fire with Rage Against the Machine. Two is Slided In, and one is Peace of Mind. I love this album cover. It's it's hard to beat Eddie, and I'm a Brestis's guy, so I'm going to go with number three because it's better than a guy lit on fire. That's for damn sure. Wow. Okay. Nice. Um, nice. So oh, yeah, number three is for me. Okay. Cool. Wow. So let's go to overall album. Yes. Tom, you go first. Okay. So album rankings overall. My number five is ten. Number four, Rage Against the Machine. Number three, Shout at the Devil. Number two, Purple Rain. And number one, Moving Pictures. I like this album. Uh, it, it suffers because I don't have a lot of history with it. 
I do like it. I'm going to put it at number 19. It's going to go below Ingve uh, Odyssey and above Hailstorm. So it's going to be at number 19 for me. All right. So for me, I have five. I have uh, Appetiti, then Pyromania, Blizzard of Oz, Hotel California, Automatic for the People. Do I like this better than Slide It In? Eh. Do I like it better than Down to Earth or Once Bitten? Eh. I'm going to put this at at number 19, underneath Down to Earth and above Night Songs. So Same as you, Tom, 19. Yep. All right, my top five, Appetite, five, four, slide it in, three, Hailstorm, two, Purple Rain, one, Black Tiger. I have a ton of history with this. Um, I'm actually going to put it at number 18, mm. below Bon Jovi, above Slave to the Grind. And while uh, wrapping this up, we've all had the discussion that we look at these rankings and we're like, Wait a minute. How the fuck do I have this here? And it'll change everything. But because you look at one album, you're like, okay, I think this is better than this. So I can put it here. And then you look below and you're like, how the fuck do I have that album down that low? And we this need happens to make all an the adjustment. time. Yeah, yeah. Because what happens is, so we've been doing this for a couple of years now. And when you spend, I know for me personally, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Maybe when you spend a dedicated amount of time with an album, Sometimes like you fall in like in love with that album for that moment in time. And then two years later, you're like, wait, why the fuck is this album that high? It's not that good. <laughs> but when you did the album review at the time, you're like this album's incredible. It's going at number eight for me or whatever. You know I what have, I mean? I have bad English above Hailstorm. What am I doing? Yeah, we should do an ARC bonus episode where we just <laughs> get a couple of we just get a couple of do overs. Exactly. And we say, and this one has an asterisk, was originally like, here. like, like revisit our rankings. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be funny. Well, that's uh, the album review episode of Come and Get It. We did two this month because we didn't get a chance to in December. Next up. Oh, boy. Is what? The Patreon pick. We know what the finalists are, but uh, the poll has not been sent out yet. To all of our Patreons, I will say for the record right now, I, we don't know what's going to win. I'm happy with the selections that are going to make it to the finals because some of them are on my list. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm, I don't have a problem with anything getting picked. I probably own only one of those albums, but I, I those are albums that I'm like, oh, I, I'll get into that. I'll, I'll try that out. So there's yep. nothing bad. And I actually think some of them are pretty popular. So you, the listeners... Uh, will like them. And if you are a Patreon member and you didn't get your pick in and you hear this, bing, bing. yeah, right. sorry. We sent out two reminders. I know you guys are busy, but uh, we'll see. I was going to say, I own all four. I'm very, very upset that I own all four. <laughs> I, I <laughs> own, the, I those own four albums are, they are not as we stop. say here, Sonny. Is that a positive thing that you own all four things? No, it is not. He's he's proud to say he owns all four, and then in the same breath says they're all terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're all terrible. <laughs> all right. What we do next is this.
I'll start this one off. It's my episode this month. Let's go with the awesome, and I've been waiting for this for quite some time to come out, little mini-series, George and Tammy, Sonny. I don't know if you have Showtime. It debuted on Paramount Plus, and then they moved it to Showtime. First, even if you don't know anything about the musicians, the fucking actors are incredible. Michael Shannon is one of the best, like, characters, face and his expression, actors of this, I don't know, last 15, 20 years. And Jessica uh, Chastain, never mind the fact that she's a gorgeous redhead, which I know Sonny must Oh, love, yeah. Yep. Uh, is an incredible actress. The actors are off the charts. So it's about George Jones, the country star, and Tammy Wynette, the country stars. And these two that get married and have a huge uh, bunch of country hits, but they live through incredible turbulent times together. Uh, Jones is one of the most notorious fall down, fuck up drunks of all time with stories that are just so over the top that you think this is no way this is true, but they didn't even put in all of his crazy stories, getting shit face, shooting at the fucking bandmates heads, uh, eating raw potatoes in his underwear because it soaks up alcohol. Is that a positive thing? Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? Uh, it works. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> having Tammy Wynette being so like to try to get him to stop drinking, hide all the like 20 cars that he owns keys. She had to hide them. And then he would take off in the fucking John Deere on the highway to go to the bar. And they would be like following up with him and like pulling, trying to tell him to pull over. And he wouldn't. Or the fact that he started developing because he became, once he started doing cocaine too, he developed multiple personalities where one time he was a duck and he was an old guy and the two personalities would fight with each other. Fucking most insane person. But the chemistry that they had, the love, the stuff is legendary. So the story really uh, gets to the gist of it. Uh, it's written by their daughter, their one daughter, George Jett uh, Jones. It played on Showtime. There's six series. It's about an hour each episode. Fucking incredible. I was so glued to it. I loved it. Unfortunately, this just, you're like, this can't be true. It is. Most of it is. And nice. the one thing that I have a hard time, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. So this is the part. Timmy Wynette is sometimes considered the, having the most beautiful country voice of all time. Hitting those notes on Stand By the, uh, Your Man is just still fucking legendary. Give me goosebumps when I listen to mm -hmm. it. George Jones is known for his fucking incredible vocals. He's the greatest country singer of all time. Blah, 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 blah. The actors sing the songs. Now, mm -hmm. I know that in Walk the Line, uh, what's his name? The actor Joaquin Phoenix and uh, I think Reese Witherspoon sang the song. I know that uh, in Ray, Jamie, Jamie Foxx, who is an actual singer, sang his songs. I, I, he, they sang all the songs. I'll give them credit. They don't, they're not terrible songs, sing, the way they sing in them, but you, you minimize why they're so loved. Like, they're both fuck-ups, and their fans adore them. They adore them because they're fucking incredible singers. But you can't display that when you have those guys singing like who oh he he did okay like 
then why the fuck are people going crazy about them? I think it took away from it. Now, um, I don't um, know. If, I don't know if lip syncing is better. I'm curious to hear from your side. What do you think? Okay. So I, I, I agree. I'm not a fan of it. And this really came to light. So I'm, I'm a huge Elton John fan. Okay. And I saw rocket man. I loved it because I love Elton John. Taron Edgerton, who played Elton, was incredible. And he's an extremely talented singer. He sang all the Elton John songs in the movie. And I, and he he's great. But I'm like, this is a biopic about Elton. I don't want to hear you sing Elton. He did great. But I, I, that, that's, I'm, I, I want to hear Elton singing Elton, just like you want to hear George and Tammy singing the Queen, the same thing. Like you're known, Freddie Mercury's known for that voice. And when you just put somebody else singing, I don't like it. You're taking away from that feeling like you're taking um, away the reason why the movie's being made. Who's the actor that plays Loki? Oh, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Middleston. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Yeah, he did the Hank Williams movie. um, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Yeah. Okay. And same thing. It's like, dude, I know you tried. You went to a vocalist. You sang these songs for months and months and months. You're not fucking him. And it and it takes away. Anyways, you guys should see this story. It, it's an incredible story. And hopefully you guys will start listening, go down a rabbit hole, like some of the music. Maybe you don't, but their story is fucking awesome. Yeah. So uh, before I get to my rock hard thing, I don't mind singers singing it i think there's a piece of you got to be able to feel i mean the women sonny do you mean the actors oh the actors i don't i don't mind the actors singing it because you got to be able to feel the way the singer was feeling Mm -hmm. when it was written and you're never going to be able to replicate that unless you can actually sing the stuff Mm -hmm. right I, i think there's time and place for it i think there's business reasons sometimes some of that stuff happens who knows who owes the publishing? Who knows who wants what money? And that there's some circumventing that happens. Mm. But my rock hard, uh, Zeus was mentioning it. I just saw, I saw the light. <laughs> yeah. Just saw it. Hank Williams story. Talk about a fall down, fucked up drunk. I mean, that's, and I had seen the Hank Williams Jr. story way back. Right. So I wanted, I saw, and I'm like, Oh wait, Loki, the, Guy will always be Loki to everybody. Poor guy. Like, I'm sure he's got other shit, but Tom Hiddleston is always going to be Loki to me because he yep. plays the part so well. I did not know that he sang everything until after I got done listening to the movie or watching the movie, right? So I go to Wiki and I'm getting prepped for this podcast. And I'm like, Tom sang all the songs? It didn't sound like it to me, right? And I don't listen to Hank Williams that often. So I appreciated the songs just as much as I would have if I was a Hank Williams listener of music, I guess. Right. So it, it did fine for me. Now his grandson didn't love it. Hank Williams a third is like, you got to have somebody from the deep South and it's got to be an American playing that part. That's a little, eh, a little racy. Right. But uh, I thought the movie was great. And I, I thought the movie was good until I found out he did all the songs. Then I thought the movie was great because he sold me on it. Now, I don't know if somebody does a movie about Coverdale. If they're not going to have the same soulful voice or at least close, that's going to be a major, major problem. So, Sonny, I, I will tell you, I saw I saw the light actually not too long ago for the first time. I liked the movie. 
I mean, if you want to talk about fuck ups, him and Jones are probably up neck and neck. I mean, the fucking yeah. guy is like the biggest rock star death of that time. Fucking heart just dropped dead at 29 from drinking, coming from a concert on midnight. If that's not rock star mentality, the problem I had with the movie is the problem I have with a lot of these movies, and maybe a little bit with the Jones and uh, George Jones and uh, Tammy Wynette movie. It's like people don't talk about the music as much and why people love these people. There's too much of the drama. If you didn't know any better in that movie, you think Hank Williams did never wrote a fucking song in his life. Didn't do anything else except drink and fall down and, and, and be a fucking mess. There's so much brilliance. His music, the way he wrote, he's a, one of the most original music artists in the 20th century. By far one of the greatest fucking, I think, musicians of the 20th century. His music covered everything and changed popular music for everybody. Nobody was as big as Hank Williams was in those 40s. And for him to just be like, you know, bitching about his ex-wife all the time, like he's more than that. I just wish they did more about his music. That's all. But Zeus, you expect me to get on the road tomorrow and watch people drive well? Wow, you drive terrific. Hell no. I want to see the wreck. I want to see what the fuck happened. The train wreck is what sells. Yeah. There's no story without the train wreck. But you got to still show why he was so loved in his music. Uh, That gets lost in the mix. You only got two outs. Do you like the fact that it is a typical story of the guy with his wife that just wants to tag along? And people are like, dude, reminds us of some Kiss members. Dude, do you have to have your wife sing on stage with us? Come on, dude. Can, can I, I love that he and goes, can stop. you just turn her microphone down? Yeah. They're recording. <laughs> and they're playing live on the radio. And he's like, just turn her mic down. Yeah. Like, and he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie, though. I, I like it. All right. Well, I'm about to either uh, see. I don't. I don't care about people using the term "guilty pleasure" because for me, there is no such thing. You like what you like. If people make fun of it, go come after me. I you could have stopped at I don't. I don't give a shit about people. You could just. Oh well, that too. I don't. So <laughs> see you later. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck my dick. Fuck off. Okay. On Paramount Plus, a three-part documentary called sometimes when we touch was just released what and it is all about listen it's the song because it's a three-part miniseries on the rise the fall and the resurrection of soft rock from the 70s and 80s and how it became now known as yacht rock okay First of all, some of that music I unabashedly love. I don't give a shit. I have Yacht Rock pre-programmed on satellite radio on my, on my in my car. I love it. Sonny has his hand raised. Uh, unabashedly? Yes. Uh, that means, um, oh, oh, it's another polysyllabic <laughs> word. You're smart. You know what it means. Look it up. Your, your wife is smart. Have her help you. So it's amazing because, first of all, Hearing the story about this music and you forget like how popular it was. I remember my mom used to listen to all of it and then how it it just it died. And then it was resurrected back to like you have the Yacht Rock channel. They have like Yacht Rock cruises. They have these concerts now. And it's like a kitschy, a kitschy thing. And they have 
amazing, amazing interviews. And they have interviews with guys and they talk about how their careers just went down the tubes. Like there's a hilarious interview. Well, it's it's actually not supposed to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but there's an interview with Christopher Cross, oh, who was like on top of the world winning yes. Grammy Awards, winning Academy Awards. And then MTV came about and he, he they interviewed him. He's like, yeah, MTV didn't want to see my face. They maybe wanted to hear my voice, but they didn't want to see me. They have the guys from Air Supply, who, by the way, look like two old ladies from the Golden Girls. <laughs> Same thing. They're like, people loved our music. Nobody wanted to see our faces. Mm-hmm. So the co- the combination of MTV and obviously the massive change in music just killed it. Then it came back and they cited. There was a whole section in part three about how the, the resurrection of this soft rock, yacht rock. And they cited hip hop and sampling And they used Warren G's song regulate because that samples Michael McDonald. I keep forgetting. And even they interview Michael McDonald and he's like, Hey, if that's what it takes to get people to be like, Hey, what's that? That's a cool beat. And then start listening to Michael McDonald music. So be it. And then they started using other examples of hip hop artists from the nineties that took all these songs that were cheesy and corny, but kind of had cool beats. They, they look at Steely Dan, how De La Soul sampled Steely Dan. It's really, really interesting, especially if just, just to learn about like a weird kind of subculture about this music genre. It was it was great. You know why I know that's funny? Because what is that line from? 40-Year Virgin. Remember when they're all like oh, yeah. selling yeah. stuff and Michael McDonald's music's in the exactly. background? They're all like, I want to fucking blow my brains out with this yeah. shit. Yeah, that- Paul Rudd's like, Paul, if I hear Yamo be there one more time, <laughs> I'm going to Yamo burn this fucking place down. Exactly. I love that song. Yeah. Yep. But that's the point. Like it got to the point where everybody fucking hated it. Like yep. disco. Yep. And it, it got this un- unfortunately bad rap. However, I'm always curious when I hear yacht rock, I don't know what fits in that. I hear ear supplying Christopher cross. I can kind of get what you mean there. Yeah. But I always thought yacht rock meant like bands that were somewhat rock, but did like soft rock ballads. Survivor, Chicago, REO Speedwagon type ballads. No, no, no. One more step down to pop. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. If you guys have Paramount Plus, and if you don't have Paramount Plus, you can get all these free trials and shit. And I just did. That's why I watched George and Tammy. (laughs) Yeah. It's 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 really interesting. And and just uh, just I'll wrap up after this. But they do like a really really sad interview with if everybody remembers captain and Tennille and how huge they were <laughs> yeah they do like a really sad interview with with tony Tennille about her like relationship with the captain and like how it, it was it was really interesting about how these songs were made how these bands became popular how they didn't know what to do when they became popular and then they didn't know what to do when their careers were over okay flash forward 10 more years when hair metal is big and then flash forward how 10 years from that, they're all like MTV started doing, where are they now? And it was almost in the same decade, how yep. they, they were laughing stocks. Yep. And they were like fucking painters and fucking putting up billboard yep. signs instead of yep. being rock stars. It happens but, to all of them. But it's like, look at, you have the Monsters of Rock crews now. So you have that resurrection, not that hair metal for us really ever went away, but to see some of these bands that get together and like, like the real actual bands, like guys from Air Supply performing I'm all out of love in front of like fucking arenas. It's crazy. The cruises and things like that are a great way for a bunch of artists or do some sort of like concert fest for these kind of songs or like genre of music that people like. I don't blame them. So yeah, it's really fun. It's really, it's fun and interesting. The problem is all of it's got a clock on it, right? Because the air air supply super fan 
is most likely 65 and older, possibly 60 and older. All of it's got a clock. And right, you can charge it, all you want now because they have disposable income. Yeah, and so you, that clock and, and, is supposed to click. And if you do like it now, if you're younger, you're yeah. you're liking it out of like the kitschy nostalgia of it. You there know you what go. I mean? Which is why even they had they had they had uh, executives from Sirius XM, and they were saying, "Yeah, we used to have Yacht Rock. It was like a limited time channel, and when we pulled it, they were actually getting like feedback. Like it's it's back now. It's a full time channel on satellite radio." But uh, it's fun. It's it's fun to check out. It's only three three parts, one hour each. It's, it's fun. Cool. Sonny, yeah. where can we find you, brother? I'm easy. Uh, GrowingUpRock.com, PRC every Sunday night, although we did Friday night this week because of the playoff games, um, or Twitter. Those are the best places to catch me. Tom? And for us, yeah. If, so if this is your first time listening to us, uh, we are Shout It Out Loudcast. We do all Kiss-related episodes every Saturday. And then once a month, we do these album review crew episodes with Sonny. We dropped two this month because we missed out on December. Um, but yeah, you can check us out at our website, shoutoutloudcast.com. You can see links for uh, all of our episodes from all the different podcasts and sidecasts that we have, uh, all of our social media links and email, which is shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, all that good stuff. Uh, so please check us out. Yeah, you can always DM us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you uh, check out the website, as Tom is saying. That's where you can see the rankings. Make your comments. Put your picks in. Get involved with the show. It's always a big help, and we really appreciate it. So, that being said, let's go to famous last words. I need a woman to set me free. A little misunderstanding to feel the the need in me i walk the street round midnight <laughs> looking for a little hot stuff and hot i don't stuff. mean tabasco nice <laughs> i want to be the master of my destiny and I domain never, exactly <laughs> in my domain i never want to crawl and beg for no sympathy when everything I have is yours and all I ask of you is give me love till the day I die. Good Lord. We sound like Beavis and Butthead doing white steak. All right. Well, that was brutal. What is this? If I can make you smile, I will raise my glass and if you don't like it then baby you can kiss my ass <laughs> jesus christ <sighs> sunny tom loudcasters kiss army <laughs> white snake tarts <laughs> hover tarts hover tarts quagmire <laughs> thank you great time always always fun to hang out and uh oh man these next four oh my god don't listen to them guys always a great time zeus great pick sunny always great to hang zeus as always thank you and again great pick with this album fun one peace out girl scout you know you're doing a great job chris why don't you jerk the rest of the day off? Giggity, 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 giggity.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 